here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott here at the Nine Route trying to get you all the deep dives and information you need to set you up on a successful fantasy football season. Uh, it's the preseason, and as always, we're going through our annual rankings. Uh, a lot of questions and concerns, depending on where you're at, looking at you know, maybe what I picked or, you know, Pat's a little more on the straight and narrow and, and a little closer to ADP, but some of them we do agree on, some of them we disagree on. And then we're going to go through our, you know, rationale and concepts of why uh, some are a little abstract, some are concrete. Uh, we'll use some stats and some guts to try to get you the best of both worlds information wise and, and try to help you, you know, get over the hump and, and make that tough decision. Pat, what do you say? You think ready to help these guys out? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Yeah, so this week we're going to jump into our running back rankings a uh, little bit, uh, again, of difference between you and I. But I think overall, as far as our consensus goes, I think, you know, again, we're fairly close to to ADP. I think there's so much fantasy football information out there. Fantasy football players in general are a lot more educated now than they ever have been. And I think that, you know, when you look at these preseason rankings, there's some there's still some some guys that stand out to me as you know, being very far undervalued or, or maybe overvalued in certain situations. And we're going to talk about some of them. But I think for the most part, the general public is getting it right as far as, you know, where guys should go in drafts based off of their potential to win them leagues and their potential to not lose them leagues. And I think that there's a very distinct difference between drafting players that are going to win you your league and drafting players that aren't going to lose you your league. and you know, I used to actually be on a very even keel sort of approach to fantasy football where I didn't take a lot of risks on guys because I wasn't really looking for those boom bust players. Like I wanted consistent, like I, you know, I had Keenan Allen on one of my keeper teams for, you know, as long as I was allowed to keep him because he was a consistent guy, you know, get you that 90 to a hundred catches every year over a thousand yards, you know, six touchdowns or so in that neighborhood. And he was consistent but the problem was I was making the playoffs, but coming in second or third with guys like that. And eventually it kind of dawned on me and, and you know, by listening to things and reading things and, and doing fantasy football research, I sort of realized maybe I don't need every player on my team to be a boom bust guy. But some of those guys are important for you to take down, a, you know, a fantasy championship. You want those guys on your team who could potentially win you a week or when you, you know, especially if that week is, you know, week 17 or your championship week or whatever that happens to be, you want those guys who can put up those, those huge point totals in any given week and, and potentially win you your league. And so with that being said, we're going to jump right into our running backs discussion. Running backs. Let's run down the list of our consensus running backs first. We'll give you the top. Uh, we'll give you the top twenty because actually we'll give you the top twenty-four because that's some of the guys that we're going to be talking about today, and then we'll go from there. So we have Jonathan Taylor, uh, consensus uh, number one running back, Christian McCaffrey at number two, Najee Harris at three, Derrick Henry at number four, Dalvin Cook at five, Austin Eckler at six, 
Joe Mixon at seven, DeAndre Swift at eight, Aaron Jones nine, Alvin Kamara ten, Leonard Fournette eleven, and Nick Chubb rounding out the top twelve. Our RB two tier is James Conner at thirteen, David Montgomery at fourteen, Saquon Barkley at fifteen, Cam Akers at sixteen, Elijah Mitchell seventeen, Ezekiel Elliott at eighteen, Antonio Gibson at nineteen, Javante Williams at twenty. Josh Jacobs, 21, A.J. Dillon, 22, Miles Sanders, number 23, and Travis Etienne at number 24. So that's how our consensus rankings look between um, Scott and I's, you know, individual rankings where these guys fall. Now, some of these guys like Eckler and Cook, for example, Fournette and Chubb, we have them the, – the consensus average is the same. So, like, for Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler – we both have them at 5.5. And we're going to talk a little bit about Cook. Uh, he's going to be one of the guys that we talk about today. But just to give you an example, Cook, I have him at three. Scott, you have him at eight, which brings him his average at 5.5, which puts him basically tied for fifth with Austin Eckler at the running back position. So, you know, when I read our consensus, these guys, some of these guys are, you know, like I said, they have the exact same average between the two of us so it's just a matter of you know where they line up on on our sheet so Eckler could be six Cook could be uh or excuse me Eckler could be five Cook could be six it doesn't really matter but the the crux of it is this is sort of the order that that we have as far as where we feel these guys are going to go on average basically or, or where we think they should go on average so yeah and I mean guy, like the consensus like you said neither of us had Jonathan Taylor at one he just happens to be our top ranked guy. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. We both have him at two, but we both have vastly different rankings, you know, on the next couple guys, which, which we're going to get into. So first, I, the first we're going to talk about is Christian McCaffrey. He is my number one running back. Um, like I said, we have, I have Taylor at two, but for me, I have Christian McCaffrey at number one because he's just a straight up league winner. I mean, yes, there are obvious health concerns considering he's only played 10 games in the last two seasons. But even in those 10 games, he's averaged 21.8 PPR points per game, which puts him right behind Jonathan Taylor's 21.9 that he scored last season. He's got the highest PPR points per game at 22.5 of any running back in the league since LaDainian Tomlinson. And when healthy, he has the third highest points per season of all current running backs with at least three seasons played behind only Kamara and Zeke. And neither of them have faced the injury struggles that Christian McCaffrey has in the in the past few years. So he's still averaging, even with two, I don't want to say lost years, but in a year where he's only played three games and seven games, that has only brought his his fantasy total down to 293 points per season, which is, like I said, still higher than 99% of the running backs in the NFL. When he plays, he's by far the best player in fantasy football, and that's why I think he should still be taken as the 101 in any redraft league. I mean, obviously anything except for you know maybe a 2QB league or a super flex or something like that. But if you're in a standard 1QB league where you're, you're running backs and your wide receivers are going off the board in that first round or so, I still believe that Christian McCaffrey should be the guy. And... I think that as good as Jonathan Taylor is, I think the reason that McCaffrey is sort of being pushed down to a lot of people's number two running back is just due to the fact that 
you know, he's he's missed a few games, but you can never predict injuries. And it's not like he's gone down with some kind of, you know, ACL or Achilles or something like that, where it takes months and months of time to rehab. There's reports done and, and documented on how, you know, running backs that come back from ACL injuries are, you know, less productive and, and this and that, but he, he didn't have any of that kind of stuff. He's just had, you know, some muscle strains and, and springs and, you know, just some general, you know, some general issues, but he's, he's never torn anything or broken any bones or anything like that. So, you know, for him to return to, you know, maybe not 2019 form, cause that was absolutely ridiculous, but to get back to what he was earlier in his career, if you told me at the end of the season that Christian McCaffrey played 17 games this season, I would bet money. I would bet my house on it that he's the RB one because that's just the type of usage that this guy gets when he's available. Let's move on to Dalvin Cook. He is my third ranked running back. You have him at eight. Uh, the ADP is five, which is where we have him consensus wise. So he, you know, you being a little bit lower, me being a little bit higher, he falls right in the middle there. But why are you a little bit lower on Cook this year than? I talked a lot about McCaffrey, so I'll, I'll let you go first with, with oh, Cook. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate yeah, I'm, that. I'm gracious. <laughs> Careful there. Uh, and modest. Yes, I can tell. I can, <laughs> they can they can see it in your voice. Um, <laughs> similar concepts, uh, again, where uh, uh, guess what happened last year, folks? Put a, pushed all in. At one point, I had on my roster Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, and I – you know, I wasn't lighting the cigar, but I was like, damn, I I know I'm pretty strong moving forward. Uh, and again, pushed all in by moving the front end of my draft in to make this happen. And at the worst possible time, Dalvin Cook kind of physically fell apart and I couldn't help get him to get me over the hump either. And that was another case of that. Again, the volume that this guy has seen over the last few years where yeah you look at his points the you know, he went 30th in his first season kind of getting the ball rolling uh sixth second and then last year fell down to 16th and some of that was due to just lack of being on the field not being healthy enough to play and or sometimes effective enough now he had he had a run of of games where he was just lights out and you're thinking man this guy forget about it like he he is just all over it so that that's that's great. And again, I think these guys are good to help get you through parts of your season, but I think it's very hard to, it's hard to depend on these guys unless you have some kind of con contingency. Now I know uh, Alexander Madison is like the uh, ace up your sleeve, so to speak. And he was able to fill in for him on a couple of those occasions and, and kind of help get some of that mojo back for, for what you needed for, you know, for losing that running back. Does he have the ability to do it? Yeah. Can he stay on the field? Can And again, it's not that he's missed tons of games, but he misses time during games. He misses a couple weeks. He, you can't always live off of that happening because it's, to me, it's just, it's going to be a killer unless you have enough guys. Again, if you're one of those people that goes out and just gobbles up all the running backs, then maybe you don't have too much to worry about. And that's fine. After, you know, five years of, of being, four or five years of being in the league, you're looking at what he's produced and he has put up some solid numbers physically. Is he going to be able to continue on with that? Not a hundred percent. And that's, that's my, that's where I get gun shot because these two players, 
if I was drafting outside of the box, so to speak, and, and hadn't had really any experience with them, I'd say, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I heard there's a little injury history. Uh, but for those of you out there that have been a little a little burnt by these two, McCaffrey previously and Cook right now, I think that's part of the issue. You know, the offense doesn't quite run through him. It runs a little bit more through Justin Jefferson. You still got Adam Thielen there to get a lot of red zone and goal line action. K.J. Osborne came along. I mean, there or Smith Jr., tight end, is, is a possibility as a breakout candidate. So it is a dynamic offense. They have a lot of moving parts, and he is a big part of it, but they live and die through the passing game, which, again, he is a decent part of. And, and again, getting yards on the ground. Uh, last three years, he's been over 1,000 yards, but he's starting to get a little – little long in the tooth as well on that usage concept where, you know, even up till, till last year, um, he was still being used 71% of the time uh, as far as like snap counts and being on the field. And while that's great, the majority of your top four, four of your top five running backs were under 70% usage. So you can see where it's a little bit balanced. It's a little bit just not having them out there for every play to get their butts kicked. Uh, even in pass protection and stuff like that. So he may he may still be right up there near the top, but seeing a little bit of a slide, and I think physically it's just uh, that's the biggest limitation for me that's holding me back. But, again, I don't have him outside the top ten, but I don't feel like he's quite got enough to get him to that top five. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. I personally still have Dalvin Cook as an elite option at running back. I mean, his target and reception numbers dropped last season, but I believe – with new head coach Kevin O'Connell's offense being a little bit more pass-heavy, at least according to the preseason reports, Cook could very well end up as the running back two this season in full PPR, which is, again, that's the format that we use to rank our players as full PPR. Uh, He also suffered a little bit of a letdown in the touchdown department last year, only scoring six total touchdowns when he's averaged 15 touchdowns the previous two seasons. I think if you can get the standard, you know, like you said, he does miss some games pretty much every year, but I think if you can get the standard 14 or so games out of him that you're used to getting, but you add in that extra pass catching work and sort of return to uh, at least a little bit closer to the average, you know, somewhere around the 10, 12 touchdown area. I think you're looking at at the very least a top five running back. I mean, he's, he did it in 2019, only playing 14 games. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, like I said, him being able to catch the ball, being in an offense where he's he's going to be targeted, which I think he will be, and him finding the end zone, which, you know, he did at a, a really low rate last year. I think last year he, he scored on every 40, I think it was 41 and a half carries. He averaged one touchdown every 41 and a half carries. His career numbers are much closer to 25. And in the last two seasons where he's averaged 15 touchdowns per season, he was averaging one touchdown every 19.4 carries. So just like with anybody else, if you if you have more total touchdowns, you're obviously going to score a lot more fantasy points. And I think that, you know, with the new regime in there, with with Zimmer being out and, and you know, he's kind of a, you know, he's along the lines of like a, a Pete Carroll, sort of an old school football coach, defense, you know, and run the ball type of guy. I think you're going to see – Cook be able to stay a little bit healthier this year because of the fact that they're not going to have him in on every single play. But I think he's going to be a little bit more efficient and productive with the the snaps that he does get because they're just going to be in a more efficient, better offense this year under Kevin O'Connell. That's just that's my 
take on it. To me, Cook has the upside of a top three back, which is why I've, I have him ranked in the top three. You know, all the guys, like I said, top, you know, seven, eight guys, they all have some little chink in the armor that, that, you know, you could say, well, this is why this guy won't finish in the top five or the top six or whatever. I tend to try to look for reasons guys will finish in there. And, and for me, injury is the only thing that's going to keep Cook out of the top five running backs this year. So, and I'm, I'm never one to predict injuries as much as guys, you know, kind of prove that, that they're, you know, maybe a little injury prone or, or like you said, are going to miss some games here and there each season. For me, I, I, I look at it as what is this guy going to get me when he's healthy and when he's in the game and cook is one of those guys that I think can, again, can win you a week at any given time. So I really like him as high as three, like I said, where I have him. All right, let's move on to our next running back, Najee Harris. Uh, we are not extremely far off on Harris, kind of like we weren't extremely far off on Cook, but wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about Harris. I have him at running back six. He is your overall number one running back this year. The ADP has him at six, so I'm, I'm right at ADP. But you have him all the way up at number one, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I, I, I wanted to hear the the whole. I wanted our, our audience to hear the whole rundown on uh, your Najee Harris love for for 2022. <laughs> my my Najee Harris love. Um, yeah, no, I would I would consider it something uh, along those lines. Like you don't often see. Now I know I just talked about uh, heavy volume and, and running backs with injuries, and they're going to say, oh, he stepped on somebody's half foot in training camp. He's already hurt. Oh, there it is. Boom. He's done. I mean, you look at what he did for that offense last year as, as a rookie fantasy wise, like he scored over, he scored over 300 points in fantasy football as a rookie. That's, that's not too bad. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty decent. Last time I checked, I mean, I, I could be wrong. Another one of those Alabama bruising running backs, kind of like a Derrick Henry and whatnot, that you know really kind of gets you to that point. Now, granted, the top running back finished seventy-three points better than he did. Jonathan Taylor had a monster season. Austin Eckler had him by about forty points and is more of a dual threat overall. Uh, Harris used Harris actually had like a decent amount of receptions last year. Caught seventy-four balls, so he he can do that. And you say, yeah, but his yardage was low, and. When I actually went back and looked at what held him back from a passing perspective, and you say, yeah, he didn't get the yardage, and a lot of them were were dump-off plays and, and things like that. So his average yards before catch, like yards before catch per reception was negative, uh, was minus 0.4. So basically everything were these like extreme sweep dump-offs in the backfield that he had to try to gain positive yards for, which which he did. You know, yards, uh, total yards pass traveled in the air before being caught uh, minus 32. Now, that was Ben Roethlisberger's noodle arm, which helped to contribute to that. Uh, he did have seven drops. That also didn't help. Broke 17 tackles through the season. So, I mean, I, like he's definitely a player for me that if you see something like this come along now this year to me strikes me as if you put up 300, could you do 350? Is the offense going to try to push through you more? Uh, it sounds like it. I know the big thing about Mike Tomlin coming out saying he's going to be our bell cow. And Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, uh, not so much Cincinnati. They're a little more aerial, you know, profound, so to speak, nowadays. But those three teams in particular 
all of that ball control, all of that ground and pound, so to speak. And Pittsburgh, you know, has a, has a long history of stud running backs on that team. But they've also had a pretty good passing game up until the last year or two. And, but again, the quarterback got a little bit older and, and the offensive line fell apart and things like that. Seeing what he's able to do on the field uh, so far, and he was out there for almost 85% of the plays, he, he is going to be their, their focal point. I mean, you still did see a heavily involved Deontay Johnson, obviously, as well on that team. And we talked about Pat Fryermuth having some, some legitimacy and possibly being up to a top you know, in the top 10, as far as the tight end position goes, to me, Najee Harris is onward and upward. Uh, I feel like you have the potential of a guy that, you know, had 1,200 yards last year uh, on the ground, plus an additional 400, you know, and some receiving. He's got 2,000-yard potential written all over him. And I feel like this is the possible season where he can do it. I know they did a few things to try to strengthen that offensive line. And as opposed to going to the well one last time with your gunslinger, there is no Ben Roethlisberger there. It is Mitch Trubisky. It is Mason Rudolph. It is young Kenny Pickett who will need somebody to lean on and obviously is going to look for safety valves. And they're not going to try – if he ends up being the starter, let alone the other two, they're not going to look to put him in a bad spot. You know, Najee Harris had 307 attempts last year out of the backfield. Uh, I feel like that's going to increase closer to 350. I think the yardage, especially the all, you know, yards from scrimmage. And when I say 2000, I mean, combined yards, uh, I think they're going to find ways of getting him out of the backfield into space a little bit more before he makes the catch, uh, thus increasing that. So again, I think he definitely has the potential to be, you know, uh, again, this year, if not possibly the, the year following. And if he stays healthy and stays on the field, I think he's got all purpose. I think he's got 2000 yard potential, which now you're talking about those, magical seasons of Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and, you know, not saying he's LaDainian Tomlinson or anything like that, but if he shows that he can start to catch more balls for positive yards, limit the drops a little bit, get some touchdowns increased. Uh, again, I, I see him as being a, a far and away wide, re or wide receiver, running back one, possibly wide receiver one, but running back one uh, for this team. Again, he only had three touchdowns receiving last year, which was a little bit, you know, to, to hold him back. And, and I think that number can increase as well. But overall, uh, you know, to me, he is, he's the guy. So an increase from 10 touchdowns is also probably, probably likely possibly closer to 20. I, I really just see that whole offense going through him this year. So a 2000 yard, 20 touchdown season. That's uh yep. That's yeah. That's definitely RB one territory right there. If, if he reaches that and then listen, I have him at six. But he's my keeper in, in one of my, uh, you know, more important leagues, one that I care about. So if you're right and, and he does, you know, end up with, with anything close to the numbers that you're, that you're projecting there, uh, I'll be a happy man. So I'll, I'll, that'll be one of the ones that I'm, I'll gladly uh, give you as, as, as a W on the season as far as rankings go. So 6%. That's all I asked for. Nothing <laughs> for helping you out there. But no, I, I just, I, just watching what he's done, like like I said, if he stays on the field, I know they helped the the offensive line a little bit. I just, I, he just looks like one of those next guys. I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I get you. The only thing that scares me about Harris is is, you know, with the quarterback change. Not that Ben Roethlisberger was great, and you know, I'm not saying that he's any better than Trubisky or you know Rudolph or Pickett or whoever, but it does just scare me a little bit that that this offense could sputter a little bit as a whole, even with a, uh, an improved offensive line. But I, I totally get, 
you know, the, the ability, the, uh, you know, his, his, just his physical stature. I mean, he is, he's a, he's a monster of a man. So I can, I can totally see a, a very high finish in, in his, in his future. And, and I like the fact that you're not afraid to, to put him at one and, and, you know, defend your, your call there. So let's move on to our fourth running back, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I have him at running back 11. You have him down at, at 21. Right now he is going as the running back 12 on sleeper. I, like I said, I'm a little bit closer to consensus on him. Uh, you're, you're much farther down, and, and by the sounds of kind of everything that we've been talking about up until now, it seems like you know that, that injury, is, injury bug for Barkley is probably still playing a little bit of a, as a concern in your mind, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, again, I to me, fading these guys and people say, "Well, that's not you can't look at that." Uh, I do look at that, and again, I the reason I look at it is the one position that's that can really kill you that you can get beat up on is the running back position because it's very scarce. And you say, "Okay, yeah, my my running back was you know I had the third best running back last year." And it's like, "Okay, great," but that's a disparity of 100, 150 points, which that's an entire player. And that's where these guys really do kind of shine through. And then you see the next tier and the next tier and the next tier and so on and so forth, get to that point where, you know, you're, you're just looking at, again, for instance, last year, like Taylor 373, Eckler 343, uh, Harris 300, Mixon 287 and Connor, which, you know, a lot of people are, are lukewarm about uh, was your top five. He was your fifth best running back, but 257 points. So 120 points in between, uh, you know, you could scroll down the list for 120 points as far as a running back goes, and, and you're talking actual players that are in the top 50. Christian McCaffrey, who missed a lot of this season, had 127 points still with the games that he played. So imagine having that where you need McCaffrey and Connor to equal what Taylor did. So it's, I think it shows the value of how one of these guys on your team is important if they're healthy. They're, yes, they are league winners. 100%. And if they're not healthy and you put all your eggs in that basket, they're lead killers. That's why, you know, for a lot of people that zero running back is their attitude because they feel that, that you know, not that they're a mistrusting person, but they've been burnt before and they see that. And with Saquon Barkley, you're entering another guy who, again, you know, had a, had a ridiculous season, uh, finished first, you know, and then 10th it was a little banged up. And then, out, you know, hurt again. And last year, he kind of got snake bit where he looked like he was coming back to be a little healthy. Uh, had the bad game against Dallas where he took the second injury and just couldn't quite get back to, to being himself. Now, I know reports out of camp are that he is looking like, oh, you have no idea. You have a totally different offense in there. It's not Joe Judge or, or Ben McAdoo or Pat Shermer or Jason Garrett. It's, it's Brian Dayball, who for a lot of people know, he, you know, helped to kind of get – the Buffalo train rolling with Josh Allen, the rest of that offense. He comes over as the head coach. Uh, you would think he's going to bring a little bit more uh, of, again, that offensive firepower, so to speak. Uh, his offensive coordinator is Mike Kafka, who for Eagles fans, they know he was drafted here. Uh, did a, Had a couple cups of coffee out there with Kansas City and had been their quarterback coach. So he's there now. So, yes, they do seem like they're a little forward thinking as far as the offense. They made some some decent draft picks, uh, you know, as far as that goes. They took a couple uh, guys to help sure up the offensive line, a nice tight end. They got Wandale Moore out of Kentucky, who some people didn't know who the heck he was to extents, but 
Uh, sounds like he's having a decent camp, and they're they're passing games. One thing, but you know, Saquon Barkley, that backfield's his. Your backups really aren't anybody that you have to worry about. There's no rookie to push him. It's really up to him. My thing, and by putting him so far down the list, is every time it seems like he's ready to kind of come back and make his presence felt again after the, after two seasons of really being banged up, is how long are you going to play? Are you going to be that guy for the first four or five weeks and then come out of a game and never be right again? And I get gun shy on guys like that. And I, I also first year in that offense, kind of tricky. You do have Danny Dimes there, who is basically dead man walking, so to speak. I think the Giants aren't looking to push the issue as much as make it look like they're going to try to tank and get like a top five or seven pick to get one of those two young quarterbacks that's coming out and, and be ready to move on and make that offense a lot more dynamic than it is now. You know, again, definitely with that lack of uh, overall ability per se at the quarterback position, the giants have been transitioning for years. Uh, I think they're going to use him a hundred percent, but I don't think they're going to maybe try to overdo it unless they somehow seem like after the first six weeks that they're five and one leading the NFC East and, and, you know, playing like gangbusters, then maybe they really have to, unleash the beast there but you have like matt Breida and a couple other guys that can play functional backup roles and, and split a little bit of time with them probably won't look to pound them too much as as more of uh get him out of the backfield for that receiving ability which he has the dual threat but i don't think you're going to see that 20 2018 volume and, and point production i think you're going to see somewhere in again maybe like a 10 to 12 range where it's still not anything to you know say is bad for that level. I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see them getting him back to 100 percent because he's probably still not 100. percent You could be great in camp all you want, that's fine. But as we know, uh, you know, once you get into week one, week two, week three, that's a whole, whole different story. So again, you know, last year he finished 30th um, and had some modest numbers, but again, the injuries kind of hurt him. At the end of the day, is he going to be a you know 200 and some? point player for fantasy football PPR more than likely. Yeah. Yeah, he will be. And, and some of these guys will slide down, but I, you know, yeah, I, I don't, he could be a little higher. He could be closer to the top 10, but I, I, I want to see him on the field for an entire season and try to get back to that level that he was, which now after a couple of years, I think it's going to be a little hard to do. Yeah. I think that, you know, like I said, I, I don't have to really explain much as far as where I have him ranked because I have him ranked right about where he's going, but my, my thought process on Barkley is a little bit the same as McCaffrey in the fact that I, I do believe that he has the physical skills and ability to win you a week, win you a league. You know, his rookie season when he really broke out and was the running back too, he did that on the back of 121 targets, which he's not going to get that from Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not going to save his job. <laughs> by targeting Saquon Barkley a hundred and sometimes there, he's going to have to show that he can run this offense and run it efficiently hit his, you know, his wide receivers. But if you look at, you know, Barkley that that season had 91 receptions and 721 yards, that's all quarterback stats. If you, you know, no matter who you throw the ball to, you're still getting credit for all that stuff. So I feel like Barkley is probably not probably, he is definitely the most talented position player on this team. And I think that, Brian Dayball is smart enough to know that the team is going to kind of go 
as Barkley goes. They're going to have to get him the ball. They're going to have to find ways to get him the ball in space. And a lot of that is going to be through the air. And, it, you know, because it's hard to just hand a ball off and, and create space for a running back. It's just, it's too difficult. The linebackers are too fast. The defensive linemen are too big. So to, to create some, you know, some screens, some, some check down plays, some chip routes where he, he, you know, maybe helps out the offensive line and then gets out into the flat. I think you're going to see a lot of that this year in the Giants offense. And, and I, I think that, you know, like I said, he's got the skills to, to be one of those top guys. And I feel like where he's going right now at 12 is probably that it's probably the, the, I think at 12, he's already got that injury risk baked in. That's, that's my opinion of it. I think his ability puts him somewhere in the top four or five guys. But I have him ranked at 11 because of the injury. I think you probably have him ranked at 21 because of the injury, figuring that he could finish somewhere around the top 10. But then, you know, also looking back at last year where he finished as a, the running back 32. So I, I can see where you have him ranked. I think I think I have a, a sort of a, a higher ceiling for him, which is, you know, potentially even the number one running back overall. I mean, that, that's a possibility with, with his skill set. But I think that the, the, the ADP and my ranking sort of, that's, that's his, his ability minus the, the chances that he's going to get hurt. And, and I think that's, that's probably where we differ a little bit on that. But, you know, like I said, that, that brings him in on our consensus rankings. That brings him in at number 15, excuse me. So, you know, I think, again, that's probably – you know, if he does miss a few games, which, you know, he did last year and, and in 2019, you know, running back 15 is probably right about where, where he'll finish. Yeah. I, I think those days of that, well, days of, I think that first season was just, everybody was expecting again, like a Ladanian Tomlinson again, and to see the injuries beset him a little bit coming out of camp in 19. And then obviously 2020 being the big one. And then last year, he looked like he was starting to get a little bit normal and then to get dinged up again. I just don't want to see him, you know, I don't root for the Giants, but I don't root against him for that. I just don't want to see him become another one of those guys that he's only been in the league for four years, but, you know, he's got to hang him up after eight because he just physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. All right, the next running back we're going to talk about is actually two running backs. One of these running backs is, was going to be in our 21 to 40 range. But we're going to talk about them now because they, they both kind of go together. And if you haven't guessed who we're about to talk about already, uh, <laughs> It's Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. We have them. Uh, I have Javante Williams at 17. You have him at 24. He's going right now right around uh, the 13th running back, so right behind Saquon Barkley. For Melvin Gordon, I have him at 34, and you have him at 26. So pretty much right behind Javante Williams, um, which is where they finished last year, 17 and 18. Uh, in the rankings, but you have them uh, a little bit lower, 24 and 26 this year. Talk to me a little bit about, about Gordon and, and Javante Williams and, and how you feel about those two guys this, this season. I mean, to me, it's, I believe it did come out to some extent in, in camp, so to speak, where, you know, there's already basically saying that the two of them are going to be borderline pitch count, timeshare, whatever you want to want to look at it. You know, it's a whole new offense, whole new offensive coordinator out there. Everything's brand new. They re-signed Gordon. I mean, again, he was a free agent, so they did make it a point to bring him back in. And I think they liked, albeit it's probably not going to be a traditional 
traditional 50-50 split, you know, by any stretch. But I mean, at the same time, what you're what you're looking at is you have Russell Wilson there. Like you have a, a totally this the Broncos from last year and the way they had to run that offense with Bridgewater and, and then Drew Locke and everybody getting hurt. I mean, the two of those running backs were pretty pretty decent. Uh, Javante Williams had a couple of nice games to fill in. Wayne Gordon even got a little banged up and was not able to, you know, maybe stay on the field as much as he'd like to. Kind of started the season as the guy, and, and Williams showed some flashes. I remember the Sunday night game against the Chiefs where he kind of went off, and everybody, oh, he's coming out. Here it is. And it's, you know, it, they still had a temper expectation. So I think at the end of the day, he was an important part. But when you look last year at, you know, like basically their average, they pretty much were on the field almost the same amount of plays where each guy was staying hot that way. And I think they liked that concept. Plus, I think they liked that Williams can learn a little bit. Gordon's been in the league a little bit longer, still has a lot to play for to keep his job. And, you know, again, could still be a starter, you know, on, on a few other teams right now based on his ability. But quietly, he's been, um, you know, he, he's quietly been in the league for, for a few years. And I think, you know, that that's something that people – maybe forget, you know, he's closing in on 30. He'll, he'll probably be there. I think by, you know, at some point this season and had a decent little career with the, with the chargers and then moved on to Denver and has been a borderline thousand yard back the last couple of years. So he hasn't really slowed down where the beginning of his career, there were some question marks. Uh, 2017, he did break over 1100 yards just on the running can show some flashes, uh, catching the ball as well. And, and it has that ability Touchdowns, he's had a couple double-digit seasons. I like what Javante Williams brings. I think the two of them combined are going to be just that. I think they're going to be that timeshare, keep each other fresh. And I think you're going to have a smarter quarterback that, you know, I'm not the biggest Russell Wilson fan, and I know there's a lot of moving parts now with that offense, but I think he's going to know who to go to in what situations, uh, making checks at the line and stuff like that. So seeing these guys a little more involved just overall, maybe even in the passing game is one thing, but – to me, that's why I kind of have them both in that 24 to 26 range. I have Williams 24, Gordon 26. I feel like with that timeshare, they're going to split a lot of that offense. And again, as long as things go the right way, you know, combined, they might be a little bit higher, but I think they have the potential to, to help make that a, a high-powered offense there, uh, the two of those guys combined. So again, it's kind of coin flippish, and, and it seems like that's just going to be that backfield for this season. Yeah, well, uh, Javante Williams has been – Incredibly difficult for me to rank. Um, <laughs> obviously, I read and listen to and watch a lot of fantasy football stuff. I mean, I feel like any good fantasy analyst should take into consideration other people's, you know, takes, opinions, whatever. I feel like by developing sort of a, a, a well-rounded look at players helps you to make a better determination on whether or not your rankings are you know, legitimate. And for me, Williams has been one of these guys. I mean, some people have him ranked as high as, you know, inside the top 10. And then some guys yeah, have him ranked even lower than, <laughs> you know, where, where I have him. And, and you're one of the guys who has him ranked, you know, even lower. I do think that, um, like you said, with Melvin Gordon, you know, them bringing him back on a one-year deal sort of shows that they want to, uh, you know, keep this backfield at least semi-split. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, 50-50 like it was last year. But I think, you know, somewhere 60-40 is probably the farthest that pendulum swings to the Javante Williams side. And I think that that's good for both backs, first of all, because I think that it keeps both of them more 
relatively healthy in, you know, better, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the Kareem hunt and uh, Nick Chubb situation where it's not like these guys like are just coming out and getting like a short rest and then going back in. Like you see with a lot of these, you know, number one running backs who, who, you know, carry the load for their team. But these guys will get like individual drives and it'll be an all Gordon drive or an all Javante drive. And then sometimes even like, and I noticed last year, like if the drive was getting like longer, they would even, you know, sub the, the these two guys out for each other just to, to keep the fresher guy in the game. And I think that that definitely helps to cut down on injuries because when you're tired, um, it's a little bit more difficult to, you know, maybe dodge a, a defender or, uh, you know, race to the sideline to get out of bounds to avoid a hit or whatever the case is. So keeping these guys fresh will help keep them healthy. Uh, I actually think that I'm probably going to come up on Melvin Gordon. I'm just Creep, creeping on a come up. So. Yeah, yeah. Right now he's going as the the RB37 uh, Gordon is as far as his ADP. And, you know, I have him ranked, uh, like I said, I have him ranked at 34. So I I think I, I'm a little bit higher than obviously than ADP, but I think I might even be a little bit higher going back and looking at, at where they finished last year. I think he could drop down a little bit. Um, but I, I don't see him dropping out of the top 36. I, I just think there's he's going to get too much work for that. But as, as far as Javante Williams goes, he's definitely got the the talent and the ability to be a, a you know a top probably five to ten running back in fantasy football. It's just a matter of when is he going to sort of take over that backfield and and if, I mean is he ever is that maybe that's mm-hmm. not Denver's you know plan for him maybe maybe there's a new trend that's starting in the league where a, a bell cow running back just isn't in the in the books for certain teams and and if that's the case you know you're going to see in fantasy football that you know things are going to kind of uh the running back position is going to sort of die out if, if there's a lot of two running back teams that are uh you know sort of uh, middling at all the running backs to you know, less than 300 carries. I think Gordon and uh, Javante Williams both had 203 carries exactly last year. So um, <laughs> ironic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Limits, limits the upside, but, but does keep you healthier throughout the, the, the regular season. I mean, Gordon played all but one game and, and Williams played all 17. So I think the big thing this year is the whole Russell Wilson makes the entire offense better argument, which uh, a lot of people are using to sort of bump Javante Williams up uh, up the rankings. I don't see why Melvin Gordon isn't somehow getting that same bump as Williams is, but I think that that's a good argument. And, but it's also something that could work against the running backs because yes, they're probably being scoring position a little bit more often. But if you look last season, the Broncos had 16 rushing touchdowns and only 20 passing touchdowns. Russell Wilson has never thrown fewer than 20 passing touchdowns in his career and averages close to 30. So while I do like Javante Williams as a player with Gordon on the team to split the touches, I just don't think that he is going to reach that stud potential. Um, that's not, it's just not in within his grasp only getting, you know, even 60% of, of the workload. So for me, I love Javante Williams. I think if you're in a dynasty or uh, in a league like ours where, it, you know, 
you can keep him for a few years. I think drafting him where he's going is fine because he's going to, he's going to return probably top 15 running back numbers this year. And then if Gordon doesn't resign, uh, you know, another one year contract, I think it could be his backfield, you know, completely to himself next year. And, and he could just be, you know, he could be one of these stud running backs that, uh, you know, everybody's sort of taking at the top of drafts next year. But for me right now, I'd rather take the guy going in between rounds eight and nine than the guy going at the two, three turn when the workloads are going to be fairly similar. So that's just kind of how I feel, uh, you know, about these, these two. Yeah. So you're, this you're, year. you're, you don't want to reach on Williams. You'd rather try to take more of a legit value. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The value of Gordon based on exactly. last year of the 16 of the 17 games they played together. And Javante Williams had a little bit more involvement only in six of those games. And it wasn't by much, uh, you know, when it comes to like being on the field and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, that whole like concept of a true split and yeah, Russ running that offense a little bit different than the last couple of years with, you know, who's been under center for them. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a big part of it. Yeah. And those wide receivers and tight ends could also get a lot more involved. And I mm-hmm. mean, I expect them to as, as when we get into our wide receiver rankings, you're going to see that I have, I have both Broncos receivers fairly high, but I have Cortland Sutton really high. And I just think that Russell Wilson, you know, as, as good as he's going to make that offense, it's going to be better for the receivers and possibly the tight ends than it is going to be for the running back. The running back will still get a bump. They'll still get a boost. They'll both probably have five or six rushing touchdowns this year, rather than, you know, the three or so that they had last year. But I don't know that that bump is is big enough with, you know, with Wilson throwing a lot of touchdowns to the wide receivers and and you know potentially to the tight ends as well. All right, let's jump into David Montgomery. I have Montgomery ranked at running back twenty two. You have him up at running back nine. His ADP right now is seventeen, so kind of right in the middle of where we are. Uh, once again, right in the middle, and uh, but you have him all the way up inside the top ten and. Uh, that's 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 a pretty high praise for a guy who I think has only finished in the top ten once in his career, uh, short career, but you know, three years. Come on. <laughs> but hey, Barkley did it twice in his first two, so yeah, barely he but, finished. But, but yeah. what's the uh, what's the appeal to David Montgomery? What what, uh, what has you ranked uh, ranking him? I know. Yeah, I know some people are starting to, you know, get the Khalil Herbert whispers and and how long well, you're going to see a little more work out of him, a different coaching staff. I I think that for a guy that just kind of goes out and gets stuff done, you know, last year it was a little bit more a down year in a sense. He missed a couple games and that's what helped Herbert get on the field uh, and he filled in admirably for them. Last year their offensive line was atrocious. Uh, this year they tried to make some improvements, so we'll we'll see how they look. Uh, I know they looked a little little green uh, in, in that first preseason game. But again, you're you're in camp, so we'll see how it, it fades out. But to see his progression, again, he, he missed, you know, he played 13 games. So for the sake of three or four games that he's still on the field, uh, he still had potential possibly for, you know, a, a thousand yards or close to it. Uh, he did only average 3.8 a carry. Uh, I get that. The touchdowns were still there. He's been six, eight, and seven out of the backfield alone his last few years. Uh, he did not have a receiving touchdown last year, uh, where that was another little bit that would have helped maybe push him over the hump. Those numbers were down as well. And again, a lot of it looks more than that. Not so much that Herbert cut into him, because 
I picked up Khalil Herbert. I remember last year because I knew he was filling in for him and I needed some some love, you know, a little little help on my bench. And, and he was a guy that when he played in place of Montgomery, yeah, I, I mean, he had terrific games. He scored 17 and 13 in consecutive games. He had seven and six wrapped around that. 70 yards better than in every game that out of those four, basically from week five to week eight, albeit it was a Bears team where out of those games, they won one, uh, you know, on that level. So that's that was just the kind of season that, that they had. He, he crossed 100 yards once, almost got it twice. So he shows that he has, has a strong ability. Could he cut into him? Yes. I'm obviously hoping not, uh, you know, since I, I'm a little bit higher on Montgomery. But that offense doesn't have – a ton. I mean, they have a lot of nice pieces. Darnell Mooney, is he going to really step up and be able to be the guy? Cole Komet, I think, is going to be a definite beneficiary of safety valve, touchdowns possibly happening for him if he's got to at least get one. But to me, David Montgomery has been a pretty much like tentpole guy for that team and has enough ability, I think, to truly become, you know, breakout. He's only 25. And Pat, I know you said oh, he's only had like, you know, the one year inside the top 10. And I, I joke, but yeah, like he, if you look at what he's been able to do again, against a, a behind a tough offensive line that at times really can't protect uh, Justin Fields is a little bit more dynamic. He can scramble at the same time. Like he's willing to stay in the pocket and, and try to make plays happen. I believe the strength of schedule for the bears out of the running back position looks like right now on paper, they have the easiest for the entire season. That's another factor for me that, if it turns out where, like, for instance, look at look at our Eagles from last year. They they tried a dynamic offense first couple weeks. Uh, it didn't work. And it wasn't because of the offensive line, but they couldn't really get the passing game going. So what did they do? They turned into a ground game. I think even if he splits a little bit of time with Herbert and not split a 50-50, not just like we talked about with Williams and Gordon, I don't see that happening. I actually see Herbert with his ability uh, and their lack of wide receiver weapons. I think they'll try to do things where they have a – split back and then they send him out into the flat and have him run as like the fourth option out of the backfield while Montgomery is still lead back in the back. Uh, he's a good pass blocker and everything like that. But I just feel like watching the trends with him where it didn't seem like he took such a dip. It was just more getting banged up for those four games. Uh, you know, if you want to attribute those points to him and let's say he hadn't missed those games, suddenly you're talking about a running back that's, you know, again, creeping back towards top 10, not finishing you know, in the 20th slot. And I think that that's what he's able to do. But I think Herbert's there and, and you know, you got to watch for him definitely. But at the same time, I think that when they try to be more dynamic in that offense, I think Herbert's going to be a guy where they try to split him out a little bit more and not so much have him in the lead back role as opposed to a Montgomery. Spelling him at times, absolutely. Uh, making a big play for sure. But I just don't see him losing that. If he was that much of a threat, I think. After everything was done, maybe he would have uh, would have supplanted Montgomery as as the back in that offense. Granted, you had Matt Nagy as your coach and all that crap, but still, uh, I, I like I like David Montgomery. I think he's a great running back. I'd love to have him on my team in professional football. But at the same time, I think he definitely has that top ten potential, especially with some touchdowns and things sliding the right way, and, and a lot of that offense might be forced to go through him. All right, let's move on to Brees Hall. Uh, I have him ranked at RB twenty. You have him at 31. The ADP currently has him going at 19. I, I, I'm i going to assume I know why you have him down at 31, but I, I, I'm i going to let you uh, let you talk us through that 
as far as why he's your running back 31 this this going into the preseason um what uh um, what team does Brees Hall play for? <laughs> just checking. Okay. All right. We just so, yeah. I mean, like we can make this real quick and save a lot of time for you editing. No, I I'm not. I don't mean to slight him. I I I was definitely more in camp Ken Walker. Uh, not that I think Brees Hall is going to be a bad running back, but I think he's on a again a team where they already lost a lineman. The quarterback's going to be out. It's the Jets. Yeah, Michael Carter was not chopped liver for them last year. You saw Ty Johnson, like they were just trying to throw everything. Again, you know, it goes back to to coaching. You're in, in year two of Robert Saleh and his job there so far has been, you know, mediocre. Uh, and I mean, I know it's tough if you're trying to rebuild. You do have to give coaches and teams a, a fair amount of time to try to get their feet under them. Remember back in April, May, it was uh, uh, the Jets won the draft, the Jets, the Jets. But when you really took a step back and looked at it, you're like, well, what did they really do to, you know, kind of improve their team? Yes, they drafted a bunch of players, but they have potential. You know, just like we talk about injury potential or the potential for a breakout season or a potential for this, that, and the third. Garrett Wilson, now you got him and Elijah Moore. Forget about it. Corey Davis, if he stays healthy. Again, you, you have so much potential on that team. Yes, you do. I think it's going to be tough for a player like him to come out and immediately just start to crush it. I, I don't think I, let me put it this way. He has the talent to do it. I just don't think that maybe he's ready for the workload like that. And I know Simmons, Oh, you never saw him in college. No, I didn't, but I haven't seen him in the pros either. And it's a totally different game. And you know, again, you have another competent running back that they were very high on last year. Tevin Coleman still circling around. He might be good for a game or two. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I think if if it looks like it is, you know, the way it is now, that, that maybe Joe Flacco tends to be the starter uh, on that team. I think that Hall may get utilized a little bit more because I don't think they're going to try to have Joe ripping him down the field. Again, he has a couple good guys to throw to. But to me, I, I just don't see Brees Hall coming in at a, a top 20 running back because of other players. And, I mean, again, you're, we're going to eventually get to him and – uh, you know, guy that I'm probably going to maybe shift a little bit after this week based on injuries and what we've seen so far in camp. But if you're going to tell me that right now, if you say Brees Hall is going to be a better running back than maybe Kareem Hunt or Devin Singletary or, again, our Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, I don't think so. I, I don't think he's going to get the ball quite like that. And I, I don't know what that offense has planned. But as of right now, you know, as far as the rookie running backs, there, there's a kid in Houston that's doing pretty good, at least on paper and, and with a lot of hype. I think he might be the best running back out of them all. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think, unfortunately, he plays for the Jets. Fair enough. I mean, you know, I'm not going to stick up for the Jets here on, uh, <laughs> on this side of it. It's, it's pretty difficult to do, honestly. Even Jets fans struggle doing it. All right, man. They, I, that's, they, they cornered the market on paper bags, man. Come on. <laughs> all right. The last running back that we're going to talk about uh, for this episode is Travis Etienne from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have him at running back 15. You have him at 36. He's going as the uh, running back 20 right now in ADP. So I am higher. You are lower. You probably are out of breath. So I'll go first. Um, Travis <laughs> yeah. Need a blow there. I know. I get it. Um, so my big thing with Etienne is this. Uh, you know, a lot of people, again, you know, we're talking about ADP, consensus rankings, things like that. Uh, a lot of 
analysts have, and, and even the ADP, obviously. So the general public has, excuse me, Brees Hall one spot above Travis Etienne. My thing is this. If you think Brees Hall is going to be an RB1, or I guess technically an RB2 as the RB19, how is Travis Etienne going to be any worse than than Brees Hall? Like, like I get it. It's the Jaguars. It's the Jets. They're interchangeable as far as you know the patheticness of uh, their offenses in the past five years or so. But Etienne had better draft capital. He had a better college career. He had better numbers at the combine, slightly better numbers at the combine than Brees Hall. Brees Hall did kill the combine this year. Now I do get that ETN is coming back off of, you know, a pretty serious injury, but everything out of camp and is positive about ETN. His injury happened so long ago that he really has been given the full, you know, that, that recovery from that injury usually takes about eight months and it's been uh, just over a year now uh, since the injury, because it happened in the preseason last year. So, you know, you're talking about a full 12 month recovery for ETN. He's an incredible pass catcher. He's back with his quarterback from college. I'm I'm not by any means like, you know, an NFL quarterback, but I could imagine that if I'm in a situation where, you know, the pocket's breaking down and I'm looking to, you know, get rid of the ball, I'm looking for guys I trust. And Trevor Lawrence played three seasons with ETN and has only been in the NFL for one season. So he's only played with these other guys for one year. I'm going to trust ETN. I think he's got potential for potentially 100 targets this year out of the backfield. Um, He's an explosive runner, incredibly quick. You know, he has home run ability. So, you know, if he breaks it into you know, the second level of the defense, there's a good chance that he's scoring long touchdowns. I mean, I think that for me personally, I think that ETN has, because of the fact that James Robinson is still working back from his injury that that happened at the end of last year, I think ETN has a much better potential than even Javante Williams. And I, and I actually have him ranked higher than Williams because I think ETN is one of those guys where, you know, we haven't seen it yet. And I get that, but when we're talking about drafting guys on potential, which we're doing with pretty much every rookie that we that we rank, that we draft, you know, that we talk about, ETN is just as good, if not better, than any running back that's come out in the past two drafts. So for me to see, you know, a lot of people talking about taking guys like Brees Hall or not often, but Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, ahead of guys like Travis Etienne. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I think that ETN is a, a, another one of these guys that has elite league winning potential. Uh, well, technically he's not a rookie, but I know what you mean. His first season playing. No, I, I, hopefully he's over that injury. And I probably do need to revisit that a little bit because I was hearing things where maybe James Robinson was a little bit closer than he wasn't. And he's not, you know, he's running with the first team, but he's not a hundred percent and missed that in the third. So I, I think that that to me was a little bit of a factor wondering if they're going to kind of timeshare it because, you know, they did make a lot of moves in the off season. I think one of the biggest ones that one of the biggest ones that they made overall was the, the coaching staff. Obviously, you know, we know that you had Urban Meyer down there last year and he just kind of, just kind of ruined the the whole season in, in a sense for that team. And, and it's a shame. He kind of 
you know, held back the growth of, of a great young quarterback. And who knows, maybe they would have been a little bit different if, if Etienne had been there. And like you say, the, the Starsky and Hutch uh, concepts there, Batman and Robin, whatever you want to call it, of that good Superman and Batman, let's say, of a good partnership from college that led to national championship, turn around and have that on your team. I think the potential's there. My thing is that knowing the head coach, we love you here, Doug. <laughs> couldn't couldn't have had that trophy without you. But of his five years here with Philadelphia, his lead running back never had more than 180 carries. You know, it is now one year he had two running backs with over 200 carries. And again, that was that was kind of unheard of at the time for him. Same thing with targeting the running back. The most he ever had was actually in his first season. Was it was a younger, healthier, so to speak, Darren Sproles with 71 targets. Uh, Miles Sanders had 63, but you didn't see much beyond that. And does he have top 20, 25 potential? Yes. But knowing how Doug runs his offense with his running backs, and I think it's a little – maybe he changes his perspective uh, in Jacksonville. Sunny, sun is shining a little more, and, and maybe he knows to – to kind of just let the dogs out, so to speak. But I feel like that's one thing. He wants to help that quarterback grow by throwing downfield. So, again, the, the Christian Kirk that just signed a big free agent contract to take the top off of a defense uh, for a couple games, you know, maybe that's the kind of guy. Uh, they brought Evan Ingram in. They seem to like that. You know Doug loves him some tight end. Um, you know, they have a couple other receivers there in Marvin Jones. Maybe LaVisca Chenault tends to be a little bit of that gadget Swiss Army knife guy. I don't think that Etienne doesn't have the potential to be a top 20, maybe a top 15 running back. I think it's going to be remaining to be seen this time, not so much based on his health. Cause again, it's not an injury history with him. It's, it's a freak Liz Frank sprain, you know, fracture, whatever that you want to call it. And again, if he's be able to tear it up and camp the way he is, then God love him. And, and I hope he does. I feel like that offensive scheme that's there to develop the quarterback as the head or is he going to lean on that running back a little bit? Sure. But you never really saw any Eagles running backs back in the day getting more than 18, 19, maybe 20 carries a game. And that you better make the most of it if you're doing that. And again, if you're only see if you're getting 25 touches, you have the potential for 150 yards. Are the touchdowns going to come when you get into the red zone? Are they going to push through with you? Or again, we know Doug sometimes can run that second tight end on an outplay and he's He's got more touchdowns than your than your your third best receiver because it just happens to be the goal line work and the, the thinking man's game that he plays. I'm not saying Etienne doesn't have the potential, and that's a big word today is potential to be that kind of a guy. What I do think is that my visions of what I've seen this coaching staff do before, I think that that would be the only thing that holds him back from a fantasy perspective, which – Again, when it comes to reality, we know the coach in New England doesn't give a damn about your fantasy team. Um, <laughs> and yet we go out there like suckers every year and we're getting Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson. And I, you know, a little, little Pierre Strong, give me Kevin Harris, give me this guy. You know, what the hell is going to go on with that offense, man? Like, again, you're, you're going to take maybe the quarterback and, and maybe a Hunter Henry and, and fingers crossed just because you're kind of forced into that position. But, um, but getting back to Etienne, talent is there 100%. I'm not disagreeing. I think if Robinson gets healthy, he cuts into it a tiny bit. Uh, Snoop Connor, running back, rookie out of Ole Miss, is on that roster. He's got some goal line snatching vulture potential on that team as well. So, yeah, Travis might bust a 22-yard run to get him down there, and then they give it to Snoop to pop it in there. So I, 
We'll see. I, I, I hope he does. I, and I, again, I'm probably still going to bump him up, you know, after hearing that he had a nice little first week uh, and he has stayed pretty healthy for training camp. But at the end of the day, I, I can't, I can't push him probably beyond top 20. There's no way I can do it unless Doug has just totally namasteed and, and changed his perspective. And it's just going to use the running back as, as his ultimate weapon. Hey, fair enough. I, I, I respectfully disagree, but you know, like I said, we, we probably, uh, again, being that we have, you know, pretty far reaching different rankings, the fact that we still have ETN as our consensus RB 25, again, like you said, that's right outside of that, that top 24, right out of, right outside of that RB two, uh, window. Again, if Robinson does come back early enough and, and takes, you know, uh, uh, at least, you know, half or, or so of the workload. Uh, yeah, you're, you might be right. ETN could potentially be a bust, but I think where he's going in drafts as the RB20, that's definitely a place where I'm willing to take a shot on him and, and be wrong if, if that's, you know, where I'm going to be. Because I do believe that he has uh, the potential of being a top 12 running back if, if you know, all the cards sort of fall into the right places for him. So, all right. So that's, that's going to wrap up the first 20 or so running backs that we're going through. We're going to do the second half of the running backs, 21 through 40 in a later episode. Is there anybody else in this top that we have, or that's going in the top 20 that you have any thoughts about? You want to shout out real quick or. Uh, so let's, let's take a look at this uh, ADP. And I mean, Again, I mentioned him briefly earlier. He is not going in the top 20. But, <clears throat> gentlemen, I have been pretty high on most of the offseason and and have bought up as many shares. There's two guys, and they're both rookies. And I'll even go with a third. You got Ken Walker, the third, going to Seattle. I think he's going to be the running back in that offense. You already got Rashad Penny, hamstrings in camp. Had a nice finish to the end of last season. But I'll tell you what, and I know we're going to touch on it in a little bit in the next episode. Uh, I think they they drafted this running back for a reason. Devin Singletary kind of getting this, like, who's he? He's nobody. Uh, he had a solid finish to the end of last year and in the playoffs. And I think they really look at him as the RB1 and James Cook to kind of play off of him a little bit. So I don't know if that's totally, you know, a, a thing or not. Uh, but the, the guy that I'm kind of just in love with right now is Damian Pierce. Uh, it's one of those ones where, you know, you kind of threw the dart at it. You, you were hearing the rumblings and – you said, well, you know, all you got to do is show up and pretty much be the best running back for Houston. He had a nice little preseason game, saw some plays too, pass protection, pancake blocking guys coming through. So he looks like he's probably going to be legit. Now, if that offense gets anything remotely cohesive going, you want to talk about a guy who could finish in the top 20 and come out of nowhere? That's a guy. That's a guy people are going to try to get off of my rosters. And I'm going to say, hell no, he's mine. And it's a dynasty. I'm going to have him for the next six, seven, eight years. Sticking inside the top 20, I just want to mention real quick before we go, I just want to uh, mention Alvin Kamara because he was on our list of guys to talk about today until, you know, we, we discussed a little bit before the podcast and, you know, had a, a little bit of a change of heart of, on where we're ranking him. We yeah. both have him ranked at 10. He's, he's actually 10s across the board. That's where his ADP is. That's where we both have him ranked. The whole thing with Kamara and, and where he's going right now, He's a, he's a real to me he's a really good value as far as you know picking if you if you're one of those guys who especially if you play in a PPR league and you're in that like 5 to 6 to 9 somewhere in that range 
Uh, maybe even a little bit earlier, I see, you know, guys like Jeff, Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. And, you know, a lot of these top wide receivers are going in the middle of that first round. Does a guy that you can usually grab on the way back and have him as your RB1 and, and suspension aside, he's one of the few. It's, it's actually him and Ezekiel Elliott are, are the only two players with more than three seasons under their belt that have never finished outside of the top 12 at running back position. So he's a guy who's tried and true. He's an incredible athlete, great, you know, pass catcher. He's, it's not going to be the same as, you know, when Drew Brees was back there and his, you know, his 4.3 yard a dot, you know, with Kamara getting, well, I think he had like, I think he had like 80, it was like 81 catches for like three straight seasons or something like that. I don't think you're going to get that with Jameis Winston back there, but uh, I do think that he's a guy who's an extremely good value where he's going right now. I think by the time we get to, you know, the heart of draft season, which will be, you know, within the next few weekends, I think you're going to see him shoot up uh, ADPs because as more and more information is coming out, it seems to be less and less likely that any type of suspension is going to be handed down to him this year from the league. You know, the legal proceedings haven't even happened yet. And usually the NFL if there are legal proceedings, usually waits until those are, are concluded before they make any decision on uh, any suspensions or anything like that. So I think, again, even if you're grabbing a running back early, you know, maybe you, maybe you go Austin Eckler uh, at the four spot and then come back and grab Kamara as your, you know, RB one and two. I mean, you're looking at, especially in a PPR league. I mean, that's that's a killer one-two punch at running back. So <clears throat> I think getting a guy like Kamara. Uh, at the RB10 is is a great value. And, and even if there is some sort of suspension that happens um, this year, what you're going to get out of him from for the games that he's in uh, is going to be well worth the pick that you spend as long as he doesn't get suspended for, you know, uh, eight, six or eight games. You know, if it's a, if it's a two-game suspension, uh, it's totally worth still picking him in the second round, I think. Yeah, I, I hear you getting choked up over him. Um, no, <laughs> you have every right to, my friend. Uh, it's... It's it's scary. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've been going back and looking at like the volume of usage that running backs get. To, to, you know, basically talk about they're in a smaller window uh, of you know functionality. This guy's a freak. His first season, 2017. Well, I got lucky enough to get him on my team, and he helped me win a fantasy title because he was not expected to be anything. It was Mark Ingram's backfield. He averaged 29 plays a game. He was the RB three with 314 points. Like. That's ridiculous. I mean, you got guy. He, he he was on the field for forty five percent of the snaps and and finished top three. And God forbid if they had actually given him the football that season, uh, who knows what they would have done. Uh, and again, you're looking at finishes of third, fourth, ninth, first, and eighth. Um, and again, uh, an eighth place Kamara is still getting you close to two hundred and fifty points in a in an offense that kind of fell off the map, like you say, from the Drew Brees days. Uh, I know in a lot of the drafts, you and I have been in with different people that we've watched him fall into God, what sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. Like, you know, yeah, I those, think were, those, were, those were dynasty startups where I think he's a little bit less valuable because of his age. But yeah, I, I think I scooped him up in uh, maybe like the sixth or seventh round in one of our dynasty mm -hmm. drafts. Yeah. And now I'm getting trade offers for him every single day because yeah. now it seems like that, like I said, like the, the suspension probably isn't going to happen this year and, and people are, are willing to, you know, give up, you know, first round picks for him. And I'm just, Riding it out and seeing where seeing where these things Man. go, and he's twenty. He he's twenty seven. That's like prime age. Five years in, man. And I, yeah, I, for me it was suspension. I actually traded him in one of my leagues because I, I was expecting the worst, uh, you know, to come down from the league. I, I did okay. I got Michael Pittman and some draft picks for him, which which wasn't horrible. It helped my team out there, but 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy is just until he proves he can't do it anymore or they take him off the field. Yeah. He's, he's a top nine, top 10 running back every season. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our first of two running back episodes. Uh, be sure to check out all of our rankings on our website, www.thenineroutffb.com. And don't forget, we still have that Darius Slay jersey giveaway going on. All you need to do for that is follow the show, give us a review, send us a screenshot of both along with your full name and address. Uh, send that to our email, which is the nine route FFB at gmail.com to enter that contest. Anyone can enter. We're hoping to get a, a lot of entries here and, and, you know, really make this a, uh, a hold your breath type of, of giveaway. So get those entries in. We're going to be picking our winner uh, right before the season starts. Uh, I believe on our recording on the 5th of September, I believe we're going to pick a winner. So make sure you get in for, for that. Anything else from you before we uh, head out for the day there, Scott? Uh, you know, just give a quick shout out to everybody there. Uh, first, we want to thank, you know, a big friend of the show. Uh, we're talking about the one, the only Mickey's. Uh, we love you, Mickey's Pub. You are down there in Tuckerton, right, Pat? Mm-hmm. Tuckerton, New Jersey. Uh, Mickey's Port of Call Pub.com. Uh, located on Route 9, go to the website, uh, com. Great menu, food, beverage, good for the whole family. Great happy hour from 3 to 6 daily. Uh, definitely a place to go. Good friend of the show. And, uh, again, that, I'm not in the neighborhood, but, you know, if I'm ever down that way, I always like to try to swing by and say hi to the guys over there uh, at Mickey's Pub. And, uh, again, I know we keep getting yelled at by a lot of our friends in our league. So for Sleeper, Pigskin Privilege, Major League, Dynasty Dominator, all you losers that we're going to take your money from. Uh, <laughs> yes, we are giving you your shout out. Merry Christmas. And uh, other than that, that's it, folks. We'll see you next week. Running Backs 2.0. Peace.